1: Cleveland it's my favorite time of the year the drafts happened we've got loads of new undrafted free agents in the building and it was the one person I wanted to speak to first about this was the man himself Pete Smith Pete how are you
0: I'm good I'm always happy to be lied to um, you know <laughs> it's, a, it's you know it's an exciting part of the year mate every time of the year I always want to
1: know from Pete Smith who are the uh, the top undrafted free agents? And uh, yeah, that started me off really nicely. Is what th- what three names do you think have got the highest chance of making the roster? A bit like Desmond Harrison uh, last year. Uh,
0: so the the guy I, I have is the, the number one guy I think can make the roster is Brian uh, Finney and Ganafo uh, from Idaho State. He's an offensive tackle. Uh, with outstanding athletic traits, not unlike uh, the kid they drafted, Drew Forbes. Uh, Similar style. Uh, You know, this is what James Campen sort of has has developed a reputation um, of being able to take these late round or undrafted free agent projects and make them into something. It's not a guarantee by any stretch, but this is exactly the type of guy he has found success with. Obviously. you know, David Bakhtiari was a fourth round pick. He, you know, he has a chance to make the Hall of Fame. Uh, J.C. Treader was a fourth round pick with the Packers before he came to the Browns. Uh, you know, he, he obviously was successful there. Uh, they, they've they had these type of guys that they find a lot of success with. So that's the number one guy. Uh, another guy I think has a a good shot to make the roster is Darren Hall, the running back from Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, obviously, you know, there there's uncertainty with what, what's going to happen with Duke Johnson. Uh, whether, you know, they may have every intention of keeping him, but these rumors are not going to go away. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where you, it's not clear what's going to happen. So by virtue of that uncertainty, he's got a good shot. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is going to be out for eight games, uh, assuming he comes back at all. And then, you know, after Nick Chubb, it is you know, Montrell Hilliard, and Duke Johnson, and now Darren Hall. So if, if in any case uh, Darren Hall is competing against uh, Dontrell Hilliard to see if he can make the roster anyway, but if for whatever reason they do move from, uh, from Duke Johnson, he suddenly becomes the third-string guy unless they bring somebody else in. So he's got a really good shot. Very good profile, another guy I, I had targeted. And then the uh, third guy was a guy that uh, named J.T. Hassel. Uh, from Florida Tech. Uh, I did not know who this guy was until the Browns brought him in for an invite. And then I did some research on him and he was very interesting, very athletic, uh, played at Sa- South Dakota State, uh, was very productive there, transferred to Florida Tech uh, to be a father, uh, was very productive there. He's got you know, tremendous athleticism. Uh, he's a a guy who could you know find his way on the roster as a backup strong safety but he's also a a guy who fits really well to be a special teams coverage type guy Uh, and he just he he's a guy who is like a missile as far as somebody who can come downhill and hit people and you know the Browns have obviously put in a substantial amount of energy into improving their special teams in the draft uh, and, and with some of the trades they've made and just you know, their general philosophy. So if Hassel is a guy who can prove himself there, he he has a real shot to uh, make the team.
1: Do you think um, yeah, Brian, Darren, and Hassel, do you think they could have drafted him, like any of them three in the seventh round? Or were they always target as undrafted free agents? Um,
0: I, I I had Brian Finney and Ganofo as a, a, a draftable player. I had Darren Hall as a draftable player. Uh, you know, JT Hassel, I, I thought, You know, there's a possibility that the Browns might take him in the seventh round uh, just to sort of make sure they got the guy they wanted as a free agent. The Patriots have done this quite a bit where they use late round picks to get, uh, you know, a guy they just intended to bring in as an undrafted free agent just to make sure they got him. So two of the three I felt were were definitely draftable. Uh, That's, you know, a big reason why I think. They've got good shots to make it, but you know this is sort of what happens where guys fall out uh, that are good enough uh, to have a real shot. Do you think someone
1: like um, Brian, the uh, a tackle, could push someone like Desmond Harrison out?
0: Yes, I mean I think that's exactly what you know you're looking at with this situation. Is uh, you know he's he's got more athletic traits, he's got uh, better natural size for the position. Uh, And he's obviously a guy that, you know, the offensive, the new offensive line coach specifically wanted, I'm assuming. I, I, you know, I, I, I look at both he and Drew Forbes as guys that uh, James Campin is sort of sitting there going, these are the guys I want. So, you know, there's a natural inclination to, you know, want your guy to be successful, but Desmond Harrison was obviously dreadful last year. Uh, You know, he's older, I don't think he has much potential, but certainly he'll have his shot. If he can beat him out, you know, he'll keep his job. But, uh, you know, I think Finian Ganafo is a guy that could potentially uh, stick to the roster, be a long-term uh, guy with potential that could be a starter down the road, but at the very least has a really good shot to be a, a nice depth player. Do you think any of them three, if they go on the
1: practice squad, they could be uh... – gobbled
0: up by other teams or you think they sit at that level quite nicely? Um, Finney and Ganafo I can see getting snatched up. It's just by virtue of the fact that offensive linemen are just... There's just never enough supply for the demand. Uh, but, you know, you sometimes you, you can slip one past the goalie and, and, and see where, you know, a guy could potentially end up in the practice squad. The other guys, I think, are safer to end up on the practice squad. I don't know how much... Interest there was in JT Hassel in particular, uh, you know, maybe if it, one of those guys lights it up in preseason, they might be in uh, higher demand. But I think, Darren, you know, if not Darren Hall, I think they can find a running back that they would be happy with on the practice squad. Uh, that guy, um,
1: if I say it correct, uh, Watt Ray, defensive end, he was getting a, uh, quite a lot of praise for talent, but where does he fit on our roster? I don't know.
0: Right. So they, why Ray had a very nice season for Boston college. He led the team in sacks. He had a good amount of tackles for loss. He didn't have a ton of solo tackles and athleticism is okay. It's not great. Um, He's a guy who, who, who gets finds his way into the backfield and and is disruptive. Uh, It's fascinating because the Browns have brought in three defensive ends, and it's not clear that any of them can make the roster. Uh, But it leaves me at least thinking that they're certainly going to push Chad Thomas to work as hard as possibly can, because uh, I I don't see, you know, why you would bring in those guys unless you're sitting there saying that we want Miles Garrett to take as few reps as possible. We want Olivier Vernon to take as few reps as possible. And they want, uh, you know, to have bodies that can potentially grab those snaps, but there's just you know, the end of the roster even, you know, Anthony Zettel is reasonably productive for the Browns, has had success in, in the NFL uh, obviously they're, they're hoping Chad Thomas gives them something while uh, you know, Chris Smith, I think is a better interior player, but he's technically an edge, and then Jannard Avery is safe so everybody else is sort of in a position where they shouldn't feel safe. And it it remains to be seen uh, if, you know, any of those guys is enough to push somebody else off the roster. Uh, You know, I think Zettel could be fine, uh, but, you know, I've never been fond of Chad Thomas, so I'm not confident he makes the roster. But then again, none of them may make the roster. And uh, the last thing was, I was was following last year, the, um, is it, uh,
1: the the Packers running back, we signed off their practice squad, uh, May. Is it Devontae May? And do you think there's any chance of him making the roster?
0: I, he'll have a shot. I mean, uh, uh, that's what it's all about. You're getting, well, first and foremost, you're getting guys who can play scout team reps, uh, so you're not beating up your dudes. Um, yeah. You don't want, you know, obviously, not, that's not even Nick Chubb. It's more along the lines of. Dontrell Hilliard and stuff, if you can get, you know, when it comes to the mini camp in particular and you've got a lot of young guys, you need bodies to be able to fulfill some of these roles. So that's first and foremost, but then it, obviously you want them to be good, prove something and show enough to you that you, you know, want to keep them longer term uh, to, to get them on the 90 man roster and then see if they can ultimately be, prove themselves valuable enough that you want to keep them. Uh, I think he has a longer shot. To make it than i think darren hall does but you know we'll see what happens i, I you know for me looking at production and athletic profiles i think hall and, and hilliard are just uh better prospects but i'm always interested to see what you know guys they bring in for, for that type of situation can offer i i saw that kyle
1: frank got released uh today from the browns who would be the uh, backup center
0: do you think naturally at the moment um, I, I'm assuming it's Eric Kush. Um, they brought him in as a free agent. Uh, this off season, Dorsey has familiarity because he he play, spent some time in Kansas City. Dorsey actually drafted him. Uh, he, he's okay. Uh, I, you know, Austin Corbett could theoretically figure into that conversation. Uh, in a pinch, but I think Eric Eric Kush is the favorite there. Uh, and they've got another guy named Witzman who I think has the ability to play center, uh, but he's more of a backup guard. So uh, yeah, I think Eric Cush at that point becomes the the next man up.
1: Excellent. And uh, where do you see the them real deep, deep battles happening across the uh, roster? Maybe some of these undrafted free agents pushing people or uh, some of these uh, late round uh, draft picks. Yeah, where do you see these
0: battles happening? Anywhere else? Well, Corners, the one that stands out, you know, obviously they drafted Greedy Williams. Uh, They drafted Donnie Lewis in the seventh round. I don't know where Donnie Lewis is in terms of his health. He had a Jones fracture, which is typically kind of a big deal because it uh, messes with the blood flow. So it takes longer to heal. Uh, Greedy Williams, there was a rumor and I do not know if there's anything to it. Uh, that somebody was speculating that he fell uh, due to an injury, uh, and chances are we won't find out if that's the case until minicamp. But if that is true, that may change some things. But other than that, I mean, if you look at it from just the standpoint of Denzel Ward, T.J. Kerry, Terrence Mitchell, Greedy Williams, and Donnie Lewis, that's five. That's not accounting for Eric Murray. That's not accounting for. You know a bunch of the young guys they had last year, whether it was Lindsey Pipkins or some of these these other Bill guys. Gaines, he had a good. Bill um, Gaines, obviously, yeah, he was resigned in this off season. Uh, you know, has no guarantees at this point. Uh, th- that that is a really really deep group that's going to have to compete, and you know, it, it would not surprise me if there's a few agents calling in for some of these uh, corners they have on their roster. They're basically saying, please release my guy. Uh, so that you can try to get an opportunity elsewhere, uh, but that is going to be a fascinating competition because not only is it about who's going to be there at the bottom, but uh, a lot of focus is is, is is can greedy Williams ultimately take that starting role on the opposite side of Ward, and what the that could sort of portend for this team's future. Um, the other spot, you know, we sort of touched on it would be defensive end. Um, they just have a ton of them. Uh, and it's unclear why they brought in so many more, uh, but I think some some hearts are going to be broken pretty quickly on that front, and, and we'll see who comes out of that. But obviously, you know, it's Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, and uh, Jannard Avery are very safe, and then you get into the Chris Smith, uh, Anthony Zettel, Chad Thomas, and then, you know, a bunch of undrafted free agent type guys, they're going to try to push them for all they're worth. Yeah. Mate, I, I've got to say, you and Jeff did
1: an awesome uh, coverage of the draft going into so much detail. It was absolutely amazing to uh, uh, listen to. And I just want to ask, what was your favorite Browns pick? Let's just forget about uh, Greedy for a sec, because it's quite easy one to say he's your favorite. But what was your favorite and your least favorite draft pick that the Browns did this year? Uh,
0: so my favorite is Drew Forbes, and that's including Greedy, uh, the okay. offensive he would be off, he was an offensive tackle at southeast Missouri State I think he ultimately ends up a guard again this is a camping you know exact type of guy he wants I think he's got long term potential he's got outstanding athletic traits he's very young he's exactly the type you want to mold and you know I, I you know he's the type of guy where if he can pick pick things up quickly we may have to revisit you know, uh the Joel Betonio at left tackle in 2020 type debate. I mean other than that, maybe he's a longer term developing guy, but he's the type of guy where you he, you know, nobody knows who he is for a couple of years and then he he comes out and he's basically a superstar. Uh and that's the type of player, you know, that's why you use these picks on those type of players. There's so much upside and very little risk involved. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world, but there's just a lot of reason to believe in Drew Forbes. Uh, least favorite for me uh, is Mac Wilson. It's not close. I didn't like him, him at Alabama. I didn't like the fact he had so few tackles. Um, you know, when you get into data and analytics and stuff like that, you want the linebacker position to make tackles in college. I mean, it's, you know, it's not complicated. This is, you know, this is the job you're a guy who runs around and make tackles and he had a really low percentage of solo tackles in his one year as a starter, uh, like 6.9%. You want guys to have at least 10, for example, Sione, Sione Takitaki had 14.1%, which is outstanding. Yeah, um, That's exactly what you want to have happen. Um, that's why I think a guy like that will be very successful. Um and you know he came look he's a he, he's a story that's very easy to root for, so I hope for the best for mac wilson uh declared early large largely because of financial hardship uh his family's in a situation where they you know they need money now, and you know he felt he had to take it upon himself to go get it, and maybe he he stays at Alabama for another year, allegedly Nick Saban was suggesting he do stay for another year. Uh, but life sort of got in the way. So maybe if he stayed, he'd go higher, but he came out now uh, and goes fifth round. And, you know, he's certainly not lacking for motivation. So hopefully he beats the odds. Uh, I I, Like I understand the role for him. I think he's going to be a coverage linebacker. Uh, That can be very useful. And the Browns, you know, a lot of this draft was focusing on, stopping the pass, which is absolutely what they should be doing, given the fact that they are in a position where they should be scoring a lot of points. Uh, You know, they had too many games last year where they got out to early leads and sort of let teams back in because they couldn't do that. So maybe he's a good role player. I think he's more likely to end up as depth uh, with no real upside. But again, you know, hopefully he proves me wrong. He proves to be an outlier. But again, he, he has a story that's worth rooting for. So I hope for the best for him.
1: Even though he was projected second-round talent, do you still feel that getting him in the fifth round was not, we could have done better?
0: Yes. First and foremost, I don't care what, what okay. guys are projected at. It's just you can say anybody is projected. So, for example, a couple of years ago, uh, when the Browns took Rod Johnson and Caleb Brantley, you had people telling you Rod Johnson was a projected first rounder of the year before. And you had Caleb Brantley projected as a second round the year before. Neither of them can play dead. Um, and it just comes down to the stuff, you know, and everybody's different. It comes down to the stuff I look for uh, as an offensive tackle. You want all athletic traits as you know, any other position, you have production. So you want production and athletic traits. Mac Wilson did not have production and has mediocre athletic traits. So from that standpoint, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to prove that wrong. Um, And again, maybe they're, they're smarter than I am. They certainly have more information at there. but you know, I, am dubious of that, which is why I'm higher on guys like Drew Forbes, guys like Sione Takitaki. I think those are guys who have, you know, we'll see if they can, can reach them, but they have substantially higher ceilings. They have all pro type ceilings. Will they ever get there? We'll see. But that's tends to be where I want to work from is guys who can be great uh, as opposed to guys that don't project to be that well. Okay. Can you
1: see – do you think Mac Wilson's totally safe this year or he could get cut in training camp?
0: It's a good question. Um, I would say no. Uh, John Dorsey has cut fifth-round picks in his past. But the flip side of that is the Bronze are really lacking linebacker help. Uh, And, you know, if the team was better at linebacker – they could – you could see a situation where he doesn't make the team. But the Browns are just so dreadful at that position that it's probably pretty safe that he's going to make it. And uh, could you see him – I know he's not
1: the most athletic, but could you see him playing special teams just to get his name on the roster? Or
0: Yes. It, 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 the the Browns drafted a bunch of guys who contributed on special teams. Uh, Greedy Williams was a gunner at LSU at different times. Uh, Sione Taki is a guy I think will play special teams uh quite a bit. Sheldrick Wed- Redwine was a guy who played special teams. Uh Mac Wilson was a guy who played special teams. You know, this this was a big focus. Obviously they drafted a kicker. Um, so clearly special teams was a big focus for them. And and this is something they've been harping on in, in press conferences and other things. They brought in a, you know, a new special teams coach, and it seems like they're trying to you know, give him as many tools as possible to work with that. Uh, Even guys like trading for Eric Murray was a a big special teams player. Uh, That was a big part of why they got him. So I I think that was a big factor in taking Mac Wilson for all of his other faults. I think this is something that they put more value on, which is why they were more comfortable than I was taking him in the fifth round.
1: Yeah. And what do you think about um, uh, Scottish Hammer versus Colquitt? Do you think that's a fair battle? I think – Colquitt's got this future potential pro bowler, or do you think they can cut some uh, cap space here and uh, get someone like the Scottish hammer in?
0: Well, I mean, Brent Colquitt's a good punter. Uh, you know, it's so he's got a natural advantage, and he's been there and done that. But it's you know, teams always tend to bring in a guy who can compete, and you know, having a nickname and a storyline certainly doesn't hurt you. Uh, I think you know, if he can come in and and beat out Colquitt, I don't think they'll hesitate to move on. Uh, But you know, that, that type of situation ties tend to go to the guy who's already been there. So you don't, you can't just be as good. You have to be better. So I'm not going to claim I scouted any punters this year, (laughs) Uh, you know, but I, you know, we'll see how that goes at the very least it's competition and if for whatever reason, you know, Colquitt is sore or whatever on a particular day, they can take it easy on him and let this kid punt. Uh they don't have to force anything and, and you know, it's the same deal. Kicker, they have two kickers on the roster and then they're bringing in the third one uh for a tryout. So it's all about competition. You know, I think they feel better about punter than kicker. They want to find, you know, guys who can can de- uh contribute. I mean, they're they're also bringing Another long snapper for competition too. So they, they've got all their business covered.
1: Yeah, it's also great that if you get people in during the training camp, you have a major injury, then you can bring this person in and uh, they know the team, they know the, the, yeah, the calls of the rest, of, and yeah, they can just hopefully plug and play. So, um, and my, my last question for you, Pete, is um, who in the division after the draft you, you're most scared of going into the new season at the moment?
0: Well, I mean, I, th- I think the team that sort of – I think that helped themselves the most in the draft was Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, giving, getting Devin Bush was huge for them. Uh, and, and and I really – obviously, Justin Lane was my top corner in the draft, and he went in the third round, which just seems to naturally happen for the Steelers. I think he could be a really good player. I, I, I'm I not as high on, as some people on Deontay Johnson. I thought he could have been had later, but I do think he would be a productive guy. Uh, you know, they went to my alma mater, uh, just to let me know they're paying attention and went to, and got Ulysses Gilbert out of Akron, who I think could be a player for them. Uh, Benny Snell is a guy, you know, that I, I think will contribute and be a factor. So, you know, I, I I'm not scared of the Steelers by these stretch because the Browns are pretty damn good, but you know, the, that was a draft that sort of reminded you that the Steelers are still the Steelers.
1: Yeah, listening to you guys, I felt sorry for you guys, you know. You gave uh, you gave the Steelers
0: all the top tips and uh, they took all of them, didn't they? Certainly seems that way. If they want to, <laughs> you know, cut us a check on that, uh, I, I certainly won't be upset or, or, you know, give me some credit of some kind, that'd be awesome. But, you know, I, again, I felt personally attacked when they went to Akron and, <laughs> and, and drafted Ulysses Gilbert. I thought that was a shot at me. Uh, you know, I thought I'm certainly taking it that way, but I'm happy for Gilbert. Uh, You know, I hope he's successful, even if it is with the Steelers. Uh, It's good from that standpoint. It's always nice to have more Akron zips in the NFL. Awesome. All right, Pete, where can uh, people find your details if they're not following you? Um, Right now, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm in the process of sort of changing where I'm going to be doing my work. And and when I have, you know, when, when I have all the, everything in a row and I can start doing that all I'll announce what's going on with that. And then, you know, right now, if, if not for Twitter, then you, you certainly find me on, on lockdown Browns, obviously most days, uh, you know, co-hosting with, with Jeff, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, obviously you mentioned the, uh, the coverage we did and, I, uh, you know, I'm obviously grateful that anyone listens to it. So and, and certainly those that listen to it and, and send us feedback that they enjoyed it that's certainly gratifying because, you know, so much of the time, it just feels like, you know, Jeff and I are just talking football like we would anyway. And it just happens that people are listening to it, which is kind of the vibe we'd like to have. So, you know, it's, it was very gratifying and apparently we're very big in, uh, you know, of the seven people in Western Europe who like the bronze, we seem to have at least six of them listening uh, that were, you know, bragging up a little bit, how much they knew about the draft, which, you know, was very touching and, and nice that they were, you know, big in their social circles being able to run off names and saying that they knew who all the day two and day three guys were uh, because they were listening. That's certainly the goal.
1: Yeah. uh, Like myself, I'm not a draft expert, so
0: I definitely uh, every
1: uh, year listen to you guys and uh, I I get really excited, especially uh, the undrafted free agents, uh, what your views are on them. So Pete, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, will I see you in Cleveland on the 25th of May? Will you be around?
0: So, you know, reason I wouldn't be. I don't know what that date is, Uh, but I'm sure we'll figure something out. It's Memorial
1: weekend, uh, but yeah, it'd be good to uh, catch up with you over a drink in Cleveland.
0: That's good. Uh, We can uh, pour one out for uh, the more, at least busier, uh, Jack Duffin, uh, who obviously uh, is, is... semi-retired right now we miss him uh I, i hope hope in the near future he can find his way back to a more prominent role in the podcast
1: yeah no i think um yeah he's uh he is snowed under at the moment i know he's got his big boss in town for this three next three weeks so he's on his best behavior so uh but yeah um he he knows he's always got a show open if he wants it uh here and uh he was just starting to do some good uh good work and uh But, yeah, obviously career first. So, uh, Pete, thanks a lot for your time. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to listening to you every day on uh, Locked On Browns.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to do it. Uh, And continue watching you sort of uh, do your thing.
1: Thanks a lot, Pete. You take care.
0: Got it.